0: Thank you for listening to the Life Church podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Uh, because it's Father's Day and because I have the mic, I can do this. Uh, so, just the way it is, I guess. I want to honor my father. Uh, y'all all know him as Father of the House. I hear that a lot. It sounds super up there. <laughs> I just know him as Dad. Uh, he's pretty much taught me everything I know he Taught me how to work, how to earn a living How to be A father, a brother All those things uh, So because of that Like I said and because I'm the one up here running this I want to show y'all something If my iPad will work here Ah, oh, that's so sweet one of the re- <laughs> that's good. One of the reasons I wanted to show this uh, is because if y'all remember last week, I mean, he was preaching. He talked about how lucky Mom was because she landed him. You know what I mean? So now you get to see what she landed. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you don't become mama's favorite without working the system. Uh, no, but I'm super happy. Uh, it's awesome not only to be my dad, but my spiritual father. Uh, he's the only spiritual father I've ever had and ever will have. Uh, so that's incredible. It's, it's a double, you know what I mean? So uh, I'm not going to stay long because I don't want to get mushy and all that kind of stuff because nobody needs that. I told Courtney, you can tell how me and dad are. We were both here at about 6 this morning, spent time together, talked about today, talked about service, and left. And neither one of us ever said, happy Father's Day. <laughs> because it's, it's just normal. We probably just punched each other and walked off or something like that. Uh, but today, I, I want to I continue uh, kind of with the theme that Pastor has been in, uh, that Dad has been in of passion. Uh, have y'all enjoyed this these few weeks of just, it has been so challenging, so convicting, uh, so many things uh, on such a, a personal level. And I was getting ready for this this weekend and, and already in the theme of passion and just moving forward. And uh, I'm I'm stirred about this morning. I hope you have your Bibles with you this morning. I'm not putting any scriptures on the screen because I'm going to start with an entire story. Uh, I like to read a lot of scriptures because I love scripture and Satan hates the scripture. And so we're going to read a lot of it. Deal. So if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter seven. We're going to start there, and I just want to kind of set this up. I, I had planned to go in a completely different direction this morning, uh, and I am very aware of the time. Uh, I won't keep you all day, I promise. Uh, but in getting ready for this, I had planned on going a specific direction and really building off of what he had done, dealing with a couple of the churches in, in Revelations, the church in Ephesus, the church of Laodicea, uh, and just really building on that. Uh, but some things got changed this week. I was in prayer praying about this, uh, this direction, And the Holy Spirit asked me a question. And I know when he asks questions, he doesn't need answers because he knows everything. So in the moment, I realized, you're about to change this, aren't you? I'm going to have to come up with something totally different now. Uh, So we had a debate. He won. Uh, So he asked me the question because I was just praying into passion. He said, who do you think of, in the context of the scripture, that was a passionate person? That was just, when you read their story, you're just overwhelmed with the emotion, emotion of passion. And so, in prayer, quickly, the first person that came to my mind was somewhat unexpected. And that person, that lady, is found in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. All we know her as is the woman with an alabaster box or alabaster flask. This was the first story that came to my mind, so I dove into the story. And uh, we're going to read all the way through it just to start things off. So Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with them. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is that's touching him. For she's just a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, I need you to notice something. It says, and he spoke to himself, saying, and Jesus answered him. I love this. (laughs) So he thought within himself, this man. And Jesus responded, let me tell you something. Mm, I love this. (laughs) I heard someone say the other day that Jesus was so awesome because he could perform a miracle and offend the Pharisees at the same time. It was like a two-way, just boom, got it, done, both, both accomplished. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, let me tell you something. He said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they had nothing which to repay, he freely forgave them both. So tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? So Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many... Are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. This woman is passionate. You know how I know how passionate she is? This could have cost her her life. A woman couldn't just march up into a Pharisee's house, she couldn't just walk up in there and do what she wanted. But there was something that she had encountered that put her in a position that I don't think she could stop herself. I think it was so overwhelming to her that when she heard he was in the house, she said, I have to be where he's at. Yeah, Yeah, but don't you know what could happen if you go in there? I don't care. Let them say what they want, do what they want. Mm. You know, my theory, catch that, this is my theory, all right, is that this could be the same woman that was caught in adultery just judging by timelines and areas that they were in. So there might have been somewhat of a little confidence in her saying, yeah, they tried to kill me once, but he stopped them, so I'm going to take my chance. So let's, let's just see this woman is so passionate. She comes in It says she's standing behind him, weeping as she kneels down and begins to wash his feet. Wash his feet. The definition of passion is a strong and barely controllable emotion. When's the last time you were... Called that. When's the last time you came into worship and felt barely controllable because he's so good? When's the last time you opened your Bible and couldn't wait to eat it up because every word is a reflection of who he is? But instead, we have to create Bible programs and small group settings and everything to convince you that he's worth what we read in this story. To convince us. When the Pharisee Saw this, he spoke to himself. You know, apathy is offended by passion. Apathetic people are offended by passionate people. Sometimes I find myself offended at Colby. You know why? Because every day at about four o'clock, he will not miss his one hour workout at the gym. And I'm too lazy to go. I'm just too stinking lazy. So, what does it do? oh, who does he think? He he don't have a good schedule. He can do what he wants. He don't work like I work. And the Holy Spirit's like, you remember, he has a job. (laughs) But see what I'm saying? When you find yourself in an apathetic spirit, People with passion get around you and you start saying, oh, if they knew this or if they knew that or if they had been through this or if they had seen that. And we start creating these excuses and these reasons and these things that happen. Why? Because we don't have the passion that they have. And their passion is convicting my apathy. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I think I've mentioned it before. Uh, we usually try to meet here. <laughs> this is funny now that I'm, I'm exposing this. We used to meet here every morning. Now we've narrowed it down to Tuesdays and Thursdays if we don't sleep in. I'm just killing myself this morning. I'm lazy. I won't work out. I can't show up for prayer. All right, I'm going to spend some time at the altar. Y'all just give me a minute. No, so this is, so we try to meet up here in the mornings uh, early, like 545, because these guys that got to be at work early. And we meet up here and pray. Well, some mornings I'm just tired and I don't want to get up. KG screamed all night, or whatever, and Courtney had to get up and take care of her, when she gets out of the bed, it disturbs me. (laughs) I just described every father in this room, every stinking one of y'all, happy Father's Day, and I don't want to get up, but he put stinking pipes on his truck, so every morning, I'm like, dude, get off the gas, we know you're just, you're doing it on purpose, And there's part of me that's thinking, would you just walk to the church, really? But it does one of two things. Either I get mad or I end up here in prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Simon thought something, and Jesus called him out on it. Let me tell you something, Simon. Mister, you ain't done nothing for me since I walked in the door. I don't, I don't even know where we're going, guys. <laughs> this is what's crazy about this story. Let me, let me show you this. Her encounter with Jesus was the one and only cause for passion. There was no other. There was no formula. There was no doctrine. There was no special teaching. There was no class. There was no 12 steps. There was nothing else. There was some encounter that had happened in her life, and that encounter with Jesus stirred up such a passion Such a passion that she risked her life to worship him. I begin to ask, God, how how do we teach this? How do we present this passion? He said, you can't. It's me. It's me. They have to run headlong into me. There has to be an encounter. There has to be some experience that stirs up something within them. Forgiveness equals passion, period. Period. If there's no passion, maybe you don't understand the forgiveness. All right. I heard a statement the other day that just so challenged me. and he, he was talking about, I need to do this correctly, praying for people and then, you know, when you get done, the whole, let's go through the motions, can you hear, can you see, can you, Colby, you know I'm not taking shots at you. You, you know my heart. And, and I see where this comes from, and we want to test it, and we want to see that it works. But this guy made a statement and said, when I've seen deaf people ears unlocked and their eyes unopened, you didn't have to ask them a question. Because what happened to them created a response that they couldn't hide it. They would climb to the top of buildings, shouting and screaming. They would tell everyone they could find. The woman left the well and went back and said, Let me tell you about this man. It equaled passion. There's an encounter with Jesus that has to create passion. And maybe if we're not passionate, it's because we don't know him. Maybe we haven't had the encounter that stirred me up to the point where you don't have to ask me if I used to be blind. I'm going to tell you, guess what? I used to be blind, but now I see. I used to be addicted to pornography, and now I'm free. Passion. She was passionate because she encountered him. Not because someone begged her or talked her into being passionate. I would be willing to bet someone in her circle tried to talk her out of that. Oh, no, you, I would not go in there. Did you see what they did to that other woman last week? Apparently, it wasn't uncommon for a Pharisee to jerk a woman out of the bed of adultery and bring her before someone because we've seen them do it. So these Pharisees had no limits. They would do whatever, and she's saying, yeah, but you know who's in there? You do understand who's in the room, right? So 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 there's something in there that won't let me stay on the out. Can you imagine her pacing outside the back door thinking, "He's in there. I know it could cost me everything, but but he's in there. And if I can just if I can just get back in his presence again, I feel like there's something that could happen on the inside of me because I've had too much of an experience to pass up this opportunity. It was an encounter It was an encounter that stirred up a passion within them. We're passionless because we're encounterless. (laughs) How do I do it? How do I be passionate like you? Get get at his feet. Get in front of him. When's the last time you went into prayer and said, I'm not leaving till I've wiped your feet with my tears? That's a little too much, Josh. That's a little too much. Don't let my passion offend you. Forgiveness creates passion. Healing creates passion. The encounter creates the passion. What I love about this story is Jesus makes a crazy statement. To whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Wait, I thought we were all forgiven the same. For all have fallen short. Because I was raised all my life, there's not degrees of sin. Sin is sin. So what was Jesus saying? He was saying, you think that I only had to forgive a little because you're so holy. So you respond according to, oh, he only forgave me a little. I I never cussed in my life. I never did those things that I wasn't like Jennifer. I'm just being honest, I wasn't. You see what I'm saying? So the Pharisees were sitting there thinking, well, why do I need forgiveness? I memorized the first five books of the Bible. He said, See, to whom thinks they were only forgiven a little? You'll only love me a little. But she knows. She knows she was a dog, she was a sinner. She sinned better than any of the other ones. Her her livelihood was based on sin. She made a living out of it. So when she got redeemed and she got set free, there was only one response worth giving. And it was her life. It was everything. To whom thinks they were forgiven little will worship little, will live little, Well, pray little. It's perspective. When you really understand how forgiven and free you are, it will manifest itself. You don't have to come up with something. Let me show you this. This is what he told me. Forgiveness equals passion. It creates passion. And I said, I, I believe that. I, I can see that. It's, it's undeniable. I mean, you look, especially people like Jennifer's talking about when they're, I mean, just saved in prison and just coming out. Dad was sharing with me about somebody on a job that they've just had a horrible lifestyle, been in prison, all this t- kind of stuff. But they got saved and on fire, and they're just passionate, and they're changing a job site. Just all the, you see it. But I had to be honest and real with God and say, yeah, but how often do we see that wane? Can we just be honest? Because yes, yeah. it, we see it all the time. It's probably close to 100% within our circles. Let's say that. I mean, probably not in Asia and Africa, you know, places where they have real faith. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry that just came out. I did not mean to say that. Uh, but we see this so often. So I begin to be honest with God and ask the question, why? Why is this? And this is what he told me. Forgiveness creates passion, and remembrance stirs it up. 2 yeah. Peter 3 and 1, he says, The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir you up by way of remembrance. Peter said, I'm writing these letters to stir you up by reminding you. So now we're looking at another man who experienced an encounter with forgiveness that created the passion. Jesus, fo- I mean, Peter follows Jesus for three years. Finds himself in a tough spot, denies him three times. Jesus comes back later and completely, one hundred percent, restores him. Re- does away with all three denials. We see it in the conversation here. So he experiences a forgiveness that changes him. Why? Before denying Jesus, Peter couldn't stay awake through a one-hour prayer meeting. After being forgiven 100% and all deniability being done away with, he goes into a 10-day prayer meeting that changes the face of the earth. There's something that happened in him when he experiences this forgiveness that creates a passion that I believe after day one, still burning. Day two, see, here's the thing. Jesus said, if you'll tarry a few days. So when you think of a few, you think of three, maybe four at the most. So the first three or four days, you got to think they were burning. Like Jesus said, we're getting something in a few days. Well, five days, six days, seven days, eight days go by. They don't know how long this is going to last. And they're in a place where they're so passionately pursuing the one that they had encountered that all of a sudden, on the 10th day, something happens that changes their lives. So Peter knew this so well. Peter knew this concept. He knew that we would tend to forget. He knew that we would tend to walk away. I mean, he walked with Jesus and seen everything that he had done, and he himself tended to forget and walk away. Jesus fully restores him. He experiences the forgiveness, and in his epistles that he writes, he is sure to remind them and stir them up. So go to 2 Peter chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go there, and we're gonna dive into this, stirring up our passion by way of remembrance. 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 2. He's fixing to just pour out some incredible revelation here, and then he wraps it all up with, an, with just an awesome statement. 2 Peter 1, verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which... We have been, has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that was in the world through lust. These scriptures are huge, but almost, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even unto blindness. Why? He has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Wow. Therefore, brethren, be even more vigilant to make your call and election sure, for if those things you will stumble. for if you do those things, you will stumble for as an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I know I'm reading through a whole lot here, but it's so much for you to take on. Now, lastly, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you of these things, though you know and are established in present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you. This is Peter's last address before, as his life is coming to an end. And he's addressing them saying, as long as I have some time left, I'm going to keep reminding you so that it stirs you up. Forgetfulness is a poison to passion. The moment you start to forget, you start to lose passion. As a matter of fact, according to this, he says, for if you lack these things, you're short-sighted even to blindness and have forgotten. Forgetfulness will cause you to lose vision. When you, for, when you begin to forget what he did, who he is, you begin to lose vision. And without vision, the people perish. The Bible teaches us clearly, if you don't have the vision, you're gonna perish. And here he teaches us, if you forget what he did, you'll lose your vision forgetfulness. We're so forgetful. I I, I honestly believe this is why when they crossed the Jordan, he said, build a monument so that you remember and so that your kids remember. In the ephod of the priest, they had two stones on their chest that were for remembering. They were two stones of memory. This is what God, God knew. God knew we would be a people to forget He knew we would be a a, a people to to want to get away from what he had done. So even when they went into the promised land, me and dad were talking about this morning, he told them, be sure that you don't forget. When you're over here and you're eating from vineyards you didn't plant and you're living in houses you didn't build and you're experiencing the, the awesomeness of the promised land, don't forget what I did for you. Because when you do, exactly what happened to them, you end up in slavery. When you begin to forget what he did, you'll go right back into what you were. Forgetfulness. Why why is the church missing so much passion today? I think it's because we don't really take time to remember what he did. The worship band met here early this morning and did communion together because he said, as often as you do this, in remembrance of me. Why? Because when you remember what I did, it does something on the inside of you. It begins to unlock some things. It begins to restore some passion. Some of you need to remember how stupid you were. You've been sitting on these pews so long, you forgot. You forgot that if he wouldn't have came and found you, you probably wouldn't be here. Right? If he wouldn't have walked into the prison cell you were sitting in, and I'm not even talking about the people that went to jail. If he wouldn't have rolled up his sleeves, if he wouldn't have said to you, No, I need to go through Samaria because there's a woman sitting at a well and she needs to run into me. See, we forget. We get into classes and doctrine and teaching and all this kind of stuff and we got an awesome worship band and a beautiful facility and we come and sit in the air conditioner and do our religious rituals and we forget that it was the thing he did for us that changed our lives. And if I could remember what he did, I'd bust those doors down to get in here on Sunday morning. What? They're worshiping Jesus and he might show up? You better know I'm going to be there. You know what he did for me? Some of you need to remember, you'd be divorced. You wouldn't have that family. You wouldn't have those kids. I wouldn't be standing in this pulpit if it wasn't for God because this knucklehead was leaving that beautiful woman before I ever came along. But God stepped in and changed their life. We got to remember... You better set you up a monument. You better put something in your home, put a magnet on your fridge so that every morning you get up, you see it and say, I was a loser. I was a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. But there was a Jesus who stepped into my life and had a different plan. If that don't stir you up, check their pulse. He said, remember. As often as you do this, remember what I did for you. And that remembrance will stir something up on the inside of you. Mm. We need to start hanging around people that remind us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't mean people from your past. I mean people that are quick to remind you that if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for the encounter you had with him. Remember. Remember. Remember, I remember sitting in my dad's office, newly married, saying, this ain't going to work. She's too messed up. Have you seen her family? Have you met them yet? It ain't going to work. But it didn't have nothing to do with her family. It didn't have nothing to do with her upbringing. It had to do that I was a knucklehead and she was a knucklehead. Can I say that? And both of us were as lost as we could be. And we were trying to make something work that was so spiritual. God, can I get off on marriage for a minute? It was so spiritual and so established by God. What makes you think you could do it by yourself? What makes you think marriage would work if you didn't put him in the middle of it? That was free. I remember I remember sitting in that little bitty country church in the middle of nowhere. You think Caldwell's in the middle of nowhere? No. Go to Big Sandy, Texas. Exactly. None of y'all ever even heard of it. In a little white church. And I could feel something pulling on the inside of me. And from that day, my life was forever changed. Remember, if you're taking notes, I'm going to throw you some scriptures out right here. Psalm 77 and 6, he says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate on it within my heart, and my spirit makes a diligent search. My gosh, some of you need to remember your song. You're sitting in a dark place, and it ain't what you thought it was going to be, and things didn't work out like you thought they should. You need to stop and remember your song where did he bring you from? What, what bar stool were you sitting on? What broken marriage were you in? What addiction were you bound by? What prison cell were you caught up in when he showed up? Remember your song and start singing your song. He said, I bring to remember. I call it up. When I feel myself in what Colby has coined as a funk, sometimes we just get in a funk. And you don't even know what it is. Start singing your song. I once was blind, but now I see. Mmm, my gosh, this is so good. And in it, his spirit began to search out. Oh, look at this one. Psalm 78, starting in verse 37. For their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant, but he, being full of compassion, he forgave their iniquity. He didn't destroy them. Many times he turned away his anger and did not serve his wrath, for he remembered we are but flesh. And the breath passed away and does not come again. Often they provoked him and they grieved him in the desert. Yes, again, they tempted God. Listen to this. And limited the Holy One of Israel. For they did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from their enemy. Do you realize that he is connecting your forgetfulness to limiting him in your life? If you can't remember what he did, then you limit what he can do. I'm going to say that again. If you can't remember what he did, then you're going to limit what he can do. He said, because they couldn't remember, they limited me. They weren't, they weren't across the Red Sea no time. And the tamarind turned into, what, did you just bring us out here and die? Well, you're not going to feed us? You're not going to give us stuff? A- I remember when we got to eat good while we were slaves. Did you miss the part where you were slave? See, but this is exactly what we do. God brings us through, gives us breakthrough, gives us the job, gives us the promotion, does all these great things for us, and then all of a sudden, where'd they go? Oh, I want, I want to say some things there, but I'm not, because I'm being nice today. We limit him. We limit what he's able to do. He'll come in and bless our finances like crazy because we gave in the offering or we planted a seed in somebody's life, we paid our tithe. He'll bless our finances, and then all of a sudden... Can't afford to pay tithes because we bought something with it. Oh my God. I don't even know what to do here, guys. Limiting him by our forgetfulness, forgetting what he'd done for us, and losing our passion. Last scripture Mark 8, 18 and 19. I've never seen this scripture like this until yesterday. It's one he just threw in there last minute. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? How many times did we hear Jesus say, if he that has ears to hear, let him hear. If you have eyes to see, let him... Those, you know, he was constantly doing that. But listen how he does this one to his disciples. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves of the 5,000, how many basketful full of fragments did you take up? Why are they having this conversation? Because the disciples are confused. They get in the boat, and he starts talking about the bread, the, the leaven of the Pharisees, and they're sitting there going uh, is he saying this because we forgot to bring the bread? Literally, this is what the disciples are He's teaching this awesome lesson on, on, on the leaven of the Pharisees, or I think so, in that moment. Isn't it the leaven of the Pharisees? And they're sitting there saying, oh, does, does he know we forgot the bread? And he's saying, you don't remember. You don't remember what I just did. You don't remember what just happened. Do you not remember that I just took a sack lunch and fed 5,000, and you're sitting in the boat confused? You know why a lot of people are sitting in churches confused? Because they don't remember they don't remember how he brought them out they don't remember how he delivered them all they can see is where they're at he said you've become short-sighted nearly blind because you can't remember far enough back and you're forgetting what i did for you so you're sitting there with no passion you're half blind and you're confused because you forgot jesus said do you not remember what i just did like it just happened we just broke the bread, fed 5,000, got in the boat. Now we're in the boat, and you forgot. Passion belongs to those who remember. Last week, I think it was, in a prayer meeting, Holy Spirit spoke to Colby. I don't, know, I don't even guess you told me this until this morning when we were sitting here. But last week in prayer, Holy Spirit spoke to Colby and said, the kingdom belongs to those who can remember. I had no idea I was preaching any of this. He just shared this with me this morning. And in my notes, I had already written passion belongs to those who can remember. So if you're lacking passion, it's no one else's fault. It's not God's fault. It's not your spouse's fault. It's not the, it's not the church's fault. It's because of one thing. You forgot. Because if the cross don't stir something up in you, then you haven't been affected by it. It has to it has to stir that thing up within you. Last statement, and I'm done, I promise. Pastor has taken this series on passion and moved it into the power of the wheel. And we've seen the connection and how they're interwoven, it's so incredible. And I was just sitting in my office last night over here just reading over these scriptures and, and he began to show me the connection that you have to wheel to remember. Remember? because forgetting comes natural it's just the way it works you know how you remember things in school repetition that's why you did those math problems 40 million times that's why my son will sit there with that page that looks exactly like the last 14 pages he did and be like mom really again yes you know why because eventually you won't need that page the church has totally abandoned repetition we want the next new thing give me a new revelation why you didn't do nothing with the last one why you forgot the last you didn't even write it down i've been so convicted on taking notes which i'm i'm a nerd anyway i like to study and take notes but i I take notes and i've been so convicted even in that area right Why, why should i give you another revelation you didn't even think that one was good enough to write it down When's the last time you went back and dove into a message that was poured out here on a Sunday morning? Why? We gotta remember. They built monuments. They put it in their clothing. They tied it around their head around their wrist. Why? So they could remember. Are we so good now that we don't have to do that? Forgiveness creates passion and remembrance stirs it back up. So this morning, I'm here to help you remember. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of what he did for you. We've got to start remembering. You know what worship is before the preaching? It's not the appetizer. It's not just get you ready for the preaching. As a matter of fact, sometimes the worship's way better than the preaching. (laughs) Worship is a chance for me to remember. Oh man, I was so lost. I was so lost. I was so addicted. Wow. Oh, good. Courtney, will you go ahead and come up, please? Colby, you get ready. Go ahead and come up here with me. This morning, we're just gonna remember. But in doing so, God wants to specifically deal with some just issues, things that are happening in people's lives. We wanna give him an opportunity to come in and someone have that encounter. Some of you may be thinking, you know, what, what encounter do I have? What, what is that moment where it just shook me so much that I bring it back to my remembrance? Did you unmute her? Uh, and so what we want to do is begin to create opportunities for those encounters, for those moments where, whether it's a healing or, or whatever it may be. And then when you're in the night, you can recall your song. Yes, sir. I remember that Sunday morning. When I asked God this or prayed for this and he just came in and did what he does because he's so awesome. we got to start creating these opportunities in our communities. People need to have encounters with, with their father that they can call to their remembrance, their song, their moment. So we're going to take just a minute and I want to pray with you, over you, that, that the spirit will begin to just help us remember Stir up that thing within us. Yeah. Stir up that passion within us. As I'm wrapping up, Colby has a couple of things he's going to share and we're going to take some time to pray for some people. Uh, I understand it's Father's Day. You have plans. There's things going on. I totally get it. If, if you need to cut out and go after we pray, we totally understand. We love you. We are so glad we got to spend this Sunday morning with you. No service here tonight. So if you, if you head out, just spend the evening with your family, Okay. But after I pray, we are going to take some time to pray, pray for some people. So, Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you're just such a good Father, that, that we tend to forget and we wonder and, 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 and we, we do so much as humans and, and you're so consistent and faithful that you come in and you bring a message like this and say, look, just remember. If we can just remember it and it stirs up something within it. Father, I want to live in a continual remembrance of everything you've done, everything you're doing in my life. I want to be so thankful, so grateful that it's constantly stirring up passion, that my conversations would be just riddled with the goodness of your of God, of what you're doing, what you're saying, what's happening. I want my testimony to become my song. Father, we've forgotten our testimonies. Testimonies have become obsolete, they've become no more. Let us become a people of testimony. You said we we're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony let us bring them back god i pray this week we would share our testimony in the community share it with our family share it with our people on our jobs that they would begin to hear as we remember what he did for us as we remember how good you were to us father help us to not like the children of israel as soon as we cross over on dry land forget that you brought us out of slavery but let the tambourine never start playing in our spirits. Let the tambourine that she broke out and begin to sing, he delivered me, he saved me, he ridded me of my enemies. Let that tambourine never die in this church. Let that tambourine never die in our spirits, that we remain thankful and passionate. Forgive us for forgetting. Forgive us for, for, for walking away from and leaving behind what you did. Let us build a monument in our spirit, in our homes, in our families. Let us build a monument to what you're doing in this moment. Before Colby shares, I have to share a testimony with you. I wouldn't be faithful to what I'm saying if I didn't share the testimony. We love testimonies here. When we have meetings, pastoral meetings, staff meetings, we try to start everything with testimony because it stirs up faith. That's what testimonies do. They just stir us up. Well, we have been doing a lot of teaching in our Wednesday night classes on hearing the voice of God. And, and we've seen actual we've seen students on Wednesday nights that are having encounters with God. He's showing them things and speaking things into their lives. And, and we're seeing all this. And, and, and I don't want anything to be in my ministry that's not also happening in my home. I'm, I'm, I'm convicted and driven by that. So we've started with our own children working on them experiencing this and hearing the voice of God. So every night before we go to bed, we pray with the kids. And the other night we wanted to do it a little different. I'm going to try to run to this fast so Colby can pray for some people. Uh, but but I got with Stephen and I started explaining to him God wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you. He wants to communicate. And we talked it out. We talked about how Jesus only said what he heard the Father saying. And and so when we hear the Father saying things, that's what gives us a chance to share with people. And there were so many things like that. And we talked through it all. I said, all right, now we're going to pray and God's going to speak to you. He wants to tell you something. I said, do you believe he wants to tell you something? Yes, sir, yes, sir. I said, so let's pray. So I had him pray with me. We prayed a short, simple prayer. And I said, the first thing that comes to your mind after we say amen, I want you to tell me. Don't overthink it. Don't get crazy with it. Just whatever comes to your mind. So we said the prayer. And as soon as we finished praying, I said, did you hear or see or imagine anything? And he's like, yeah, kind of, you know. I was like, just tell me what it is. He said, I seen American army. I was like, okay. I said, well, what or who does that make you think of? You know what I mean? What does that lead you to? And of course, he was excited at this point. He was like, Colin, which we all know Colin's in the Marines, but you know, he don't know no different. But he was so excited. And in his mind, God had just led him. So I said, now you're going to pray for Colin. And I watched my seven-year-old son go into a prayer over his big brother that was incredible. It was phenomenal. And he was so excited because God had told him to pray for Colin. And he was so excited. And I said, all right, let's take it one step further. Can we go one step further? Yes, sir. Now we're gonna pray specifically for God to tell us something about KG. For those of you who don't know, KG is my younger daughter. Said God wants to speak to us about our family. He said, okay. So we prayed again. I said, the first thing that comes to your mind, we prayed again. He said, I said, Well, did you see or hear anything? He said, Well, I did, but it's not really about Kennedy. I was like, just tell me, you never know. He's like, Well, I seen a hamster. And then in his little mind, he kind of put it together, I seen Kennedy as a hamster. You know what I mean? And he was trying to figure it out. I said, all right, let's do this. Uh, the prophet our house has been teaching just some areas and avenues, and I think it's totally crazy and weird, but I've seen it work. So, uh, <laughs> so Scott just told me before he left, because he's been pushing me in the prophetic, that sometimes in that you'll pray about someone, God, show me an animal. And when he does, you pick like the top five characteristics of that animal, and you declare those characteristics over that person. Like if you see an eagle, you're able to soar above everything, you know, that whole thing. Well, when he told me that, I thought, Scott's weird. I'm just going to move on. Uh, And I told Scott that in an email yesterday. Uh, But that's how I thought. Well, when Stephen said hamster, I was like, oh, dang you're so showing me that this works right now. So I told Stephen, all right, let's pick the top three characteristics of a hamster. What what are characteristics you love? And at first he was like, oh, they run in a ball. I was like, no, not what they do. Characteristics about it. So he named they're cute, they're cuddly, and they're furry. (laughs) So I was like, all right, now this is what I want you to do. You're going to declare that over your sister. So I had him speak over her. You're cute, you're cuddly and you have lots of hair because if you see my daughter, she thinks she's Rapunzel. Uh, so, so in this, he began to declare, this is what's incredible. I don't mean to draw this out. This is what's incredible. Over the last probably month, we've been having to correct Stephen a lot for how he's treating KG just annoyed and aggravated with her all the time. I understand she's a little sister, and she sings this one line over and over and over, and it drives me crazy, and she sings uh, Once I Caught a Fish Alive over and over. But I said, look, lately, we've been having to get on to you for this. Uh, Sorry, Colin is trying to call me right now. Uh, We've been having to get on to you for this. I said, but look, When you've seen her in the characteristics of the hamster, you approached her totally different. He was excited. He was laughing. He wanted to cuddle with her. It was bedtime. So I said, you see what it did for how you see? And he was like, wow, that's awesome. I said, that's what God wants to do in our lives. And I began to explain to him, God wants to speak to us about the people around us so we can approach them like God would approach them. And so instead of being aggravated and annoyed with her, he wanted to cuddle and he thought she was cute and she had long hair. And it completely changed his perspective because God spoke to him. So God is doing something in my little family. It's just incredible and it's awesome. I had to share that testimony with you. So maybe to even stir you up, start asking God, what's he saying in your situation? On the American Army thing last time, last thing, on that, later, uh, probably two hours later, me and Courtney were laying in the bed. I was watching some kind of history show and she was playing on her phone. She was like, Oh my gosh, Josh. I was like, What? She was like, This is on the day he said that. She said, Did you know today is the birthday of the American Army? I was like, No way. Get out of town. So it was just incredible. And sharing those things with him, it so stirred his faith. Now, my seven year old son walks in confidence that God is going to speak to him for the situations and the people around him. I love you, family, so much. Thank you all for going through this with me today. If y'all give us just a few minutes, Colby's going to share some things. We want to pray for some of you. We love you. Thank you for listening to the Life Church podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.